Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. There's uh, an event happening downtown. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Hoopla. And uh, as I came through town this morning, and there was a lot of uh, the, uh, the city blocks that were roped off. I looked up, I was interesting to find out, um, Hoopla is listed as the second largest basketball, outdoor basketball tournament in the nation with over 900 teams and 3,000 participants. So that's happening downtown. I'm glad you're here. Um, God has something good for us. And uh, I hope if we have people that are down there playing basketball, they'll watch online and we welcome you. Um, we've been studying Colossians. I got to tell you, I, I've loved this study in Colossians because it talks about our new life in Christ. And I want to uh, just ask if you're here and you have not made a decision to follow Christ with your life, perhaps you're listening online, I want to ask that you just take the next few minutes and listen to what the Lord would say to you. I believe all of us have uh, come into an encounter with God where he changes our life and perhaps that's you here this morning and today and we've been praying for you and many that uh, today would be a day of new life. You would find Jesus changes everything. We've also been praying that if you're here and you've had that moment where Christ brought new life into, into your heart, we've been praying that God would take you deeper into his presence because Colossians is all about once you find new life, there are things that uh, Paul calls us to in our life um, to continue to serve him. There's a mindset and there's a heart attitude. And so if you're here and you say, I've found new life in Christ, and I want you to know that God is going to speak to you through this study in Colossians about what our lives are to look like and what more God wants to do in our life. And I'm so thankful for this study in Colossians. One of the themes that we've been studying is this idea that Christ is enough. We don't need more than Christ. We need more of Christ. And I want to say if you're here and if uh, this morning and you hear this, I want... If you have a need in your life or you're at a place in your life where you're looking for answers, I would just tell you, you would never find it outside of, outside of, of the Lord. We need more of Christ, not more than Christ. So a young man this morning came down and said, you know, this is where I'm at in my, my heart and my life. I wandered in here this morning and he said, I've been looking for something. And I said, it's only found in the Lord. What you're looking for, you can't find anywhere else. And so we know that Christ is enough. I want to tell you that Christ is enough. His work on the cross is enough. And we need more of his presence in our life. And so I know God's going to speak to us this morning. We're looking at Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. And uh, let's read that together. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, 
Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This tells a story, in four verses tells a story of a time when we found new life in Christ and he raised us up. Talks about how we're to live our life with a new perspective, our heart and our mind set on the things above and not on this earth. And then a moment that's still to come where we will stand in heaven and we will fully see what God has in store for us. In four verses gives us a moment we found Christ, our life, and that moment where we go to heaven. And I want to just suggest to you that these four verses are crucial to our understanding of Colossians. We have been studying Colossians 1 and 2 that talk about foundations, uh, doctrines, and things that Paul was trying to help us understand who God is and our position that we have in Christ. And now all of a sudden we read that first verse that says, therefore, Paul is saying what I am about to say is crucial that you understand the first two chapters that we've studied, our position in Christ and what God wants to do and who he is. And therefore, built on those two chapters, we're going to look at two chapters, verses chapters three and four, that talk about our life and how it's to be lived. Now it's important we don't miss this this morning. Because uh, if we look at the next number of chapters and the lifestyle that God calls us to, um, you, and you hear this uh, often in, in the world, people say, well, I don't, I don't want to follow the Bible because it's just a, a list of, of rules and do's and don'ts. And I want you to know that if, if we don't catch this this morning, then as we look at lifestyle that Paul calls us to, um, we're going to just see it as a list of do's and don'ts. Maybe I'll try harder, maybe I agree, maybe I don't, but... Here's, here's what we have to understand is that what we've studied so far in our doctrine requires a life change. New life in Christ has everything to do with our understanding, correct understanding of who God is, and then a correct understanding of how to live our life. And so it doesn't become rules, it becomes relationship. Our new life in Christ, God wants to change our heart, our focus, our mind, put them on things above, and that is going to dictate how we choose to live our life. And so it's not rules, it's I want to live this way because of what Christ has done for me. And we have to understand the power of right living as we understand new life in Christ and what he has called us to. So there are three foundational truths that I want to share with us uh, in these verses. And the first is, is simply this. As we look back at Colossians 1 and 2 and prepare for uh, Colossians 3 and 4, it's our new life in Christ uh, our life should reflect a correct doctrine and theology. You hear people all the same, uh, all the time uh, say, yeah, I believe in God. But you have to go deeper and understand that a belief in God will, a true belief in God, and what we believe in God will, will drive our actions. We have to understand who God is and how he wants us to live and not just have a belief that there is a God. We have to go deeper than that. We have to have this understanding. Uh, commentary that I read said, Paul starts this chapter where we will focus on practical Christian living with a clear understanding that practical Christian living is built on the foundation of theological truth. 
Another commentary goes on to say, Paul wants believers to understand that our new position in Christ should impact the way we choose to live. Our new position in him should change our affections and our desires. And I love the message because it, uh, it says it like this, Colossians 3.1 in the message says, if you're serious about this new life in Christ, then act like it. I love that, right? It's this idea that if we really believe that Christ has brought us to new life, there's going to be a lifestyle that's, that's lived. Not because of rules and do's and don'ts. Because my heart has been changed. I know what God has done. And I get to live a holy and acceptable life to him. And we have to understand this. We have to act like it. And I would ask you the question, as people see your life and they watch you, what, what would they say of your life? As they observe, and, and, and likely many of your neighbors, the only uh, thing that they are understanding about Christ or Jesus is what they see in us. And so what do people see in my life that would reflect? Am I reflecting godliness? Am I on this pursuit to say, I want to be discipled and I want to grow in my understanding and I want it to change how I live? I think we have to apply this idea that God's word will always change how we live. We have to understand that what we really believe about God will dictate how we live our lives. The second foundational truth that I want to share with you is uh, what, what Paul says, uh, that if we have new life in Christ, then we will keep seeking him. Uh, there's, 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 uh, the, NS, the NASB says, uh, keep seeking the things that are above. The NIV says, set your heart on the things that are above. The principle is this, that we need to keep seeking God with everything we have in our, in our hearts. All of us know people who have made a decision to have new life in Christ, made a commitment at some level, said, I want, I want to find Jesus, and then drifted away. And I think there's an element that we understand that we need to continue on in the things of Christ. We need to go deeper constantly. And Paul would tell us that if you have new life in Christ, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't drift away. Don't let your guard down. I think there's an element of keep your heart going after God. And would it be said of us as we have found new life in Christ that we didn't see it as just, a, okay, I'm in and now I can rest. But a moment that says God has something new for us every day if I will keep seeking and pressing in. I want it said of me that when people say, hey, what's God doing in your life or speaking to you that I wouldn't say, well, let's see, a lot of years ago I was saved and that was about it. I want to always have an answer. You know what? God was just saying something to me. God was speaking to me. You know what I saw in God's word? And I think Paul was saying that if you have new life in Christ, keep seeking the things that are above. And it's not always how you start. When we have new life, we've got to live this thing out. It's called discipleship. We've got to keep growing in our understanding of the Lord and keeping our heart tuned to the things he wants us to, to hear and see and do. And as we continue to keep our heart engaged, we'll live this thing out, and then we will get to heaven one day, and he'll say, well done. So it's not always how we start. It's also how we continue to go on this journey of discipleship and how we finish. And I would say, keep going. Don't drift away. The mental image I have here is, uh, if you, you've ever been in, in an airport and they have those, those people movers, you know, you, you're like, you're late for somewhere and, you know, you decide, hey, I need to go a little quicker and you get on these things and, they, you know, they, they have uh, the, 
you know, they, they, they get you there a little faster. Well, there's always one guy that decides to go on them and go the other way, you know, and he's walking, but you look and he's not going anywhere because people movers going this way and he's walking this way. And the, the mental image I get here is if you're on one of those and you're, we, we know the culture and the, uh, is, is, is working always against where we're trying to go. And um, if you're on one of those people movers and you think, you know, I think I'm going to just kind of settle in for a minute and you stop, that thing is going to kick you all the way back out to where you started and dump you off, right? And I think, you know, in our life of, of, of discipleship, in our life of going after Christ, sometimes it's like that. We're going the opposite way. Things are pushing us, always trying to push us back. And we've got to kind of keep going and not just settle and, and find out that we've drifted away. We, our heart has gotten unengaged in what God wants to do. And so Paul would say, in our new life with Christ, keep your heart engaged and keep going. The way we live our life matters. In Colossians 1, uh, 20, 21 and 23 through 23, we've studied this already. Um, but I want to go back because it, it, it helps us understand this principle. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23 is the key, though. It tells us the story. You were enemies of God. Christ reconciled you to, his, to himself through, through work on the cross. And he's going to present you one day without blemish and without accusation. But that's not the end of the statement. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. See, there's almost a condition. You found new life. One day we'll stand with the Lord and he'll present us without blemish, without accusation, if we live our life continually following after him. And it says, continue in your faith established and firm. And I would just encourage you today to set deep roots in, in God's word and in the place of God in, in the church. Place deep roots in your feet on a firm foundation that says, I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to go after God every day. My heart is not going to grow calloused or unengaged in what God is saying and doing. I want more of God. I also love that it says, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And uh, we know that uh, culture is constantly trying to move us off of the word of God, off the gospel. And um, I think we just need to like just establish that we're not going to move. What God said, we're going to stand on and we're not moving. No matter what happens, no matter what pressure, we're, we're going to stand firm in the things of God. And we're going to present our world with the hope that is held in the gospel. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you have received Christ, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught and overflowing in thankfulness. So again, Paul is constantly saying, get grounded, continue in your faith, established in firm, get rooted in him, stay built up, strengthened in your faith, and continue in this way. And this is really what we see in, in Colossians 3 when it says, keep your heart set on the things above, or keep seeking God, don't give up. And I just wanna to say to you here this morning, if you're here and you're growing weary, or you have questions, or you find yourself drifting away, or even there's times that we find ourselves and think, man, I'm just not as close to the Lord as I think I need to be. 
just recognize that you can get close to Jesus and you can press into his presence and recognize that this morning. And we want to pray for you that you would come back to that priority of setting your heart on the things of God. The third foundational truth that I want to share right out of Colossians 3 is that if we have new life in Christ, it, then it, Paul commands us to set our mind on things above and not on the things of this world. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to watch what's going on around the world and news and current events, and I find myself often just feeling alarmed. Like, what is going on? What is happening? Where is this all going? Ironically, then I open scripture, and scripture says, don't be alarmed when you see these things happening, for the Lord knows, uh, you know, what's going on. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. The Bible is constantly just proving itself to be way ahead of us. And sometimes we look around and we see the troubles of this world, and it, it frightens us, it scares us, it can cause stress and anxiety. We know that. But Paul tells us to keep our eyes on the things above and not on the things of this world. I think we have to have a, a heart and a mind set on what God is doing, what he's speaking. See that when, when we root ourselves deeply in the things of God, when our heart is set on the things that God is, then all of a sudden we begin to see and our, our mind begins to understand, oh, you know what? The world, yeah, there's, there's crazy things going on, but God is working. God has not given up in this world. He's not given up on us. He's not given up on the people around us. And we need to keep our minds set on the things that he has and not on the things of this world. Lifeway Research did um, some statistics on what people were uh, feeling and going through after the last two years. And uh, so they came to some conclusions. Uh, they said through, through the pandemic, 57% of people in America are pondering this question, what is the meaning to life? What is the meaning? What is the meaning of this? 57%. I would tell you that there's an opportunity for us to have a hope and present it to people who are asking that question. There's a great opportunity here. Um, they found that Americans are less sure today than they ever have been uh, of what lies ahead on the other side of death. So they're struggling with what is the meaning of this and is there anything beyond? Like, do we even know? 43% um, of adults say, there is, uh, adults say there is more to life than this physical world. So only 43% say there is more to life than what we see around us. And here's a quote from that, that study. Uh, In the midst of such a discouraging season, fewer Americans are convinced there is something more to this life than their daily activities. A growing number of Americans have become open to the idea that this is as good as it gets. I read that and I thought, no, 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 no wonder suicides are up and alcohol use is up and drug use is up and anxiety and depression is up. I mean, no wonder if, 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 if what we see around us is as good as it gets, what hope do we have? And it's a great opportunity for us to say what Paul said don't get your eyes on the things of this world. Keep your eyes on the hope of heaven. Get your eyes on the things of God and know that our hope is not in the things of this world. It's Christ is enough and we don't need more than, we don't need anything this world has to offer. We need more of Christ. I also wanted to do a little research and find out, okay, so what are we setting our minds on? The average American spends two and a half hours a day on social media. Two and a half hours a day. I know some of you, there's two reactions to this. Some are going, I don't spend any time on social media. 
And some are going, I spend way more than two and a half hours. Well, you equal each other out, right? I mean, this is an average. So if you spend no time, look to the person next to you and say, what have you been doing? You got five hours. I got zero. We're averaging two and a half. I think we have to be careful what we put our minds on. Right? We all know that we can look at social media and that shapes how we see things, how we feel about ourselves and about what we should be thinking about. At the same time, the average Christian spends less than 30 minutes interacting daily with the Bible. And I just want to ask you, what are you spending your time setting your mind and your, your heart on? What are the priorities of your life? All of us need to spend more time just practicing a discipline of saying, Lord, I'm just going to get more of you in my life. I need to know your word better. I need to know how to live it out better. I need to set a, an atmosphere in my home that says, are we honoring the Lord here? I would encourage you, uh, every one of you here, to uh, put this into, into practice in your home. Carrie and I have, have tried to keep safeguards in our home that... Uh, say, what are we allowing into our house? Is it an atmosphere that would honor the Lord? Or, uh, and we are constantly tuning out, turning the TV off, muting things, saying, you know what, we're just not going to watch that. Um, oftentimes, I think, uh, you know, we, we tell our kids, we're always going to err on the side of caution and not err on the other side. And uh, I think they kind of roll their eyes and go, great, I'm never going to get to do anything. I'm never going to can't do anything. Well, you know what? I'd rather err on the side of honoring the Lord. And I think we have to have a guard in our life that says, I'm not going to put my guard down and allow compromise. I think there's, uh, this is a day where in a believer's life, we, just, we, we can't allow compromise to begin to creep in. We've got to be very guarded in our hearts. And scripture says, guard closely. We read earlier that uh, Colossians says, don't let any uh, don't, don't be deceived by any hollow philosophies or, or doctrines. And we have to be guarded and allow uh, our, a standard of holiness and not allow compromise into our life. And I would just ask you, what are you setting your heart and your mind on uh, in your life? Romans 12.2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? We get into God's word. We understand it. We need to constantly just say, God, I, don't, I need more of you. I need to know how to think. I need to know how to live. And it all starts with a renewing and a transformation that happens in our mind because of our new life in Christ. I think some of us would say, I want some of Christ. There's still a little bit of the world I'm okay with. And we need to come to a place where we say, I want what God has for my life. And I'm willing to follow him wholeheartedly. And Paul tells us that to be alive with Christ is to be dead to our flesh and our old ways. And we need to get to that place where we're willing to walk fully surrendered and submitted to the things of God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. find it interesting that Paul connects this idea of you were an enemy in your mind and it affected your behavior was evil. And as we're going to go into the next couple chapters in Colossians, we're going to talk about behavior and actions. Paul says, put these things on and put, take these things off and be associated with these things, but not these things. And I think we have to understand that there's an idea that what you train your mind on will affect your behavior. 
So we need the renewing of our mind, as, as Scripture says. The theme in Colossians is Christ is enough. I would just ask for you to look at your own heart and your own life and say, am I fully yielded to the Lord? Am I wholeheartedly submitted to him? Is there some of my old self that I'm allowing to stay there and compete against the desires of Christ? I want to share a story with you of a friend of mine named Eric Earhart. He's uh, in his 40s. I met him about 10 years ago. Uh, he tells a story about his life. He um, grew up in a, a home without his, his father present. He became angry. He didn't do well in school. He didn't do well with authority. He was uh, constantly in fights. Um, struggled through his, his, his life. Um, it led him to a place of alcohol and drug use. And you can understand his life just began to spiral out of control. Tried to hold down a job, but couldn't. Tried to get into the military, but couldn't. It's kind of at uh, a place where he didn't know what to do and didn't think his life amounted to anything. And a friend of his said, hey, I've got an, an offer for you. If you'll come work with me, we can deal drugs and there's all kinds of money. You'll make all the money you want. And he said, that sounds like a pretty good option so he got into drug dealing. As you can imagine, there was violence, and his life just got um, set apart from God pretty quickly. He found himself at this place, and I want to show you a clip that where he was at his lowest moment and how God used and worked in his life to pull him out and show him new life. But this is a part of uh, just a clip from his life. And I went home that night, and... And I got drunk and I cried all night and I thought to myself, um, you really are crazy. So I began to think suicide uh, was probably the right way out. I really didn't have an answer. I was hopeless. I was, I was a hopeless man. The next day, his girlfriend introduced him to her mother, who put it to him straight. She said, has anybody ever told you that you're going to hell? And I was shocked. I mean, no one had ever told me that. I had, you know, no one had confronted me at all my evil with the idea that I was going to hell. And then she said, has anybody told you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come and died so that you could be forgiven of that sin? I had no knowledge of church. I had zero knowledge of Jesus and God. None of those things, are, those were all foreign um, ideas to me. But I knew that I had to do something. I had to turn my life around. I had to change my life. But he wanted to make one more drug run before trying to change his ways. He drove to New York and picked up a shipment of cocaine. But on the way back across the North Carolina state line, police were waiting for him. They find the drugs, the firearm. I just looked up and I said, thank God it's over. When he made bail, he went to a local beach and cried out to God. It made me decide that if, if there's a God out there, I better have a talk with him because I am a, I am a deeply disturbed man. And I just start to weep and cry, and I start to cry out to uh, God. And I said, if you're there, you know, show me. Eric was sentenced to seven years. While in prison, he started searching the Bible for answers. I began to read the Bible daily, five, six, seven, eight hours a day sometimes. And, of course, the Lord began to reveal himself to me in that, and through that I came to faith in Christ as my Lord. Eric only served three and a half years of his sentence. He was moved to a prison camp, and toward the end of his time, he was given a six-hour community pass one weekend a month. 
He used that time to go to church, where he met Pastor Wallace Phillips. I was drawn to Eric because he, he seemed to have such a passion for Christ. We made the effort to go out and, and meet with him in the prison camp and uh, had the occasion to talk about the things of God. He helped Eric realize that God had a greater purpose for his life. God has been uh, so faithful. He sent me a beautiful wife, has given me a lovely family, has allowed me to start the Upper Room Assembly. We've seen him grow to a uh, tremendous ministry, doing great work for the Lord here in this community. I've been born again. I've been resurrected to a newness of life, and, and the old things have passed away. And uh, behold, all things have become new. Pastor Eric's story demonstrates that Christ can bring new life to any one of us. His story, he lives in Gatesville, North Carolina. He's been an Assembly of God pastor for many years. He says that when he was in prison, God spoke to him to start a church right there so he could have a ministry to that prison. Gatesville is 300 people, and he has regularly 100 people in his church every week, and he has a ministry into the prisons. Not only can God bring new life to anyone's life, but God began to do more than that in Pastor Eric's life. He began to give him a purpose and a calling. And now Pastor Eric uses his life to share his testimony. And I want to show you a picture of Pastor Eric in the middle with two young men that he's led to the Lord. On the right is Joshua Smith, a young man that Pastor Eric met, brought into his home, led to the Lord and discipled and is now church janitor and serving the Lord on Pastor Eric's left is Arthur Mitchell, a man he met in prison, led to the Lord, discipled, and has followed the call of Lord on his life and is now an Assembly of God pastor and the associate pastor with Pastor Eric at his church. And I would just say, look at this picture and look at what God can do in a life. He can bring new life. But if we train our heart and our mind and our priority on him, not only will he bring us out of the old and give us new life, but he'll give us a purpose and a calling, and he'll give us the ability to reach out and make a difference in this world and reach other people with the hope of the gospel that we have. And so this morning, I'm believing that there's some here who would say, I need to find this new life in Christ. And there's others that need to lean in and embrace and say, I need to take my new life in Christ a little more serious. Would you stand with me as we close? I want to ask you if you're here, if you would raise your hand and say, you know, I, I need Christ to meet me where I'm at. I've not made that decision for Christ that I need to make. I'm not serving him and you talk about new life, and I just want to signal you and say, I want Christ in my life. I want this newness of life that you've talked about. Would you just raise your hand where you're here? 
We certainly don't want, thank you. We don't, would you, anybody else, we, we just believe that there are people here who have not made this decision. We have some people that are coming, gonna come find you and pray with you. But I wanna give you a minute, anybody else that would just raise their hand and acknowledge, I have not made this decision. I want Christ to meet me right where I'm at. If I saw what Christ can do in a man's life, I believe he can do that in mine. Are you here? We also believe that we need to lean in a little bit and get our heart and our passion and our mind trained a little bit more on what Christ wants to do in our life. Perhaps you're here and you say, you know, I've been a little distracted from the things that God wants me to do. I feel a little distracted. Maybe I'm not been all in in my walk with the Lord. Maybe I feel like I'm drifting. Maybe I feel like there's things in this world that have just kind of stolen my joy and my passion for the Lord and I just want it restored. I just, I want to just lean in and you would just signal me by just raising your hand and say, I'm here, that's me, thank you. Thank you, I believe that's a lot of us. If you're here, if somebody's got their hand raised, would you just, would you just put your arm around them? If you're close by, would you just surround them? We want to stand with each other. You know what? I think God wants so much more for us in our life. And I'm just going to pray with you that God would just reveal us and take us to a deeper place in Him. That we wouldn't search for answers in our life outside of Him, but we would just seek for it in more of the presence of God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our heart and our life this morning. We thank you for your word that calls us to set our heart and our mind on the things above. Lord, I just pray that we would just continue deeply in the things of God. We wouldn't be distracted by the, the wind and the waves around us, but that we would just set our focus on you and you alone. We would let you lead us and guide us and speak to us every day. Lord, I pray that you would take us into the calling that you have. Lord, help us to reach the world with the hope that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you for what you're saying and speaking to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.